VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon and welcome to another segment of the Dr. Stamp Show. Bullying, a major barrier to students learning today. Today we have a special show and I have a special guest who is going to be joining me in a little bit that is going to help us with a recent study that, uh, that was just done on bullying. But before I invite him over, I just want to go over some statistics because I'm sure that a lot of people are not aware of what the statistics of bullying are. There are estimates that indicate that as many as 8% of urban junior and senior high school students miss at least one day of school each month because they are afraid to attend. The school staff themselves are actually painfully aware that bullying is far the biggest violence problem that they have in many school campuses in many countries. So it's not just something that impacts the United States of America students. It is actually worldwide. Bullying is repeated harassment because a lot of people might say, well, what is bullying? It's actually something that is intimidating. It's something that is physically, psychologically, emotionally harmful to someone, which I hope that this and some of the uh, statistics will be able to discuss with my guest today. Every 30 minutes, a teenager attempts suicide. That one was scary when I read about that one. And it also says about 47 teenagers are bullied every five minutes. Now, I hope you understand why this is a critical and important topic for us to be able to discuss as the adults, the professionals that are in these schools, that are in our teenagers' lives, to be able to find means and ways to stop the bullying in the schools or at home or outside in the communities where our teenagers hang around on a daily basis. Today, my guest is a former Kansas City Chiefs kicker, Nick Lowry. And Nick, I hope you're there with me. Hi, Nick. I, I am here. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I feel a little bit like the, the woman that is introduced as the blonde bombshell or something. <laughs> because I was actually a legislative aide in the United States Senate with a degree from Dartmouth College for the yes. three U.S. senators before I made it in the NFL. But, yes, I am a former kicker, if that matters. 
Is Yes, that matters because you know what? Here's what happens with teenagers, and I'm sure you can relate with this. They want to relate that with somebody that actually can understand them. So I know with football, I was in the school today because I have my office. I have a, a second office in a local high school, and I was telling them about you coming to the show today. And I can tell you it, was, it, it just wasn't the football players that were excited to listen to what you have to say. But everybody else around the school were going, oh, my God, we got to listen to this show because this is going to be interesting. So, yes, it's important that you were a kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. You are actually a Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, you know, I, start, I started, I know you're in Boston. I started with the Patriots. You did? I did. I scored seven points, and we won both games. But, but uh, part of my story, you know, if we talk about bullying, in yes. life there are always adversities for everyone, even those that aren't bullied. And staying with things long enough till the right people enter your life and the right uh, timing takes place is so crucial for all of us. So I wasn't ready in New England, but I'm proud to say I did win two games, played on a team that won two games many years ago for the Patriots. Well, yeah, we love you. As long as you were Patriots, you know you are in our hearts because we love our Patriots. <laughs> So thank you. I, I didn't read that about your bio, so you know that that's good to know. Yeah. So you're talking about your background, and maybe we can start there. Why did you choose to form? Because I know now you you your NFL career is finished, right? It is. It's finished. It's absolutely over. And uh, you know, another theme too, right? Is the stages in life, the lessons we learn, and the transition for an athlete yes. to life after is it's not an easy one. Mm. Tell us a little more about that because I know my football players and, you know, um, the current ones and the ones that want to get into NFL are listening in. What do you mean when you say it's not an easy one? Well, you know, first of all, something like 1 in 20,000 football players make it in the NFL. and But even when you make it, Dr. Yes. Sam, the yes. average career is only three and a half years. And, you know, let's say you have a good career and you play six years, you're still not even 30 years old yet the rest of your life. And psychologically, it's like a second death uh, because your identity has been so wrapped up a little bit like post-traumatic stress, a little bit like yes. being part of the Army and the intensity yes. of the emotion and the physicality of the experience and the nerves and the excitement and the adrenaline and the, you know, the, the, the sense of belonging to something bigger than you. And a yes. lot of players have a structure in their life, and once their career is over, they ha they don't have another passion to replace it with or a group that they feel safe and embraced by. You're right. You're right. So it's actually retirement at an early age, you know, 20s or 30s, which for most people we're used to thinking, well, when I'm 65 or 80 years old, I can retire. And you're saying it happens earlier and sooner than you think. Well, it's, yeah, and it's not really, I hope, retirement. I mean, it's simply the end of one career, and, and but the transition, we know that most people today live five and six careers during their lifetime, and, and the ability to be able to adjust and adapt yes. and transcend one career into another to bridge those gaps is crucial to, you know, to happiness and uh, probably to financial security as well. Yeah, right. So yours, you transitioned, my understanding, into forming a charity foundation after your NFL career. Well, I, uh, what was great about the, the journey for me, Dr. Stem, is yes. I was cut by eight teams 11 times, and I was actually 
uh, on the Senate Commerce Committee, working for Senator Bob Packwood on aviation deregulation and aviation mm-hmm. safety, and to try decided to try one last time, my 12th time, and that's when I made it in the NFL. But about two thirds of my off season, I went back to Washington. My dad was a career CIA, and my mother was Oxford educated, and uh, I wanted to continue to challenge myself, and I, I loved working for, whether it was Senator um, Tom Eagleton, Senator John Chafee of, of Rhode Island, Senator Packwood, Elizabeth Dole, or for uh, President Reagan, President Clinton, or President H.W. Bush. Each one of them, for three or four months, I got to work for, and it kept me stimulated, and I felt like I was growing in other directions, which, in the end, I think that's the theory of the Renaissance man, if you will, yes. that by growing in one direction, we bring more resources to every direction. You're right. You're right. Did you say you were cut eleven times? I was. I was uh, rejected in tryouts or cut eleven times by eight teams, and that process reinforces a lot of our work because we've yes. learned now that the only way we learn in the brain is through mistakes, through yes. failure, yes. and that's what makes us uh, the successes we are. Truly, the Thomas Edison in us is the one that leads to success. I mean, there's no other story that can tell it the way that you're saying, because as, as you said, it 11 teams, which means 11 times you, you tried, and a lot of people fail even one time, and then they give up. By the time they do the third time, they think, oh, well, there's no hope. So I, you know, I'm glad that we also have instilled some hope for those people that are trying, whatever it is that they're trying to do in life, that you can even do it 11 times and it's not good enough because until you get what it is that you're looking for, then it doesn't matter how many times you're rejected. You can keep going back. And, and by the way, the other thing is, I think psychologically, those yes. people that live with regret yes. um, are permanently uh, distracting their energy on, on the present moment. And when you give it your all at that task, even if you fail, at least you know you failed giving everything you have. So the next task you can give all your energy to, not thinking, gosh, if I tried one more time, what might have happened? If you, you, you exhaust every possibility in personal growth and, and the lesson of how to focus, how to bring your passion and focus together will help you in whatever is indeed in the end what you're meant to do. So now that you've mentioned that 11 times, which I'm sure that number is so important for you that if you were to play the lottery, you probably will win because it's such an important number that, you know, um, inspired you. Has that, you know, um, been a factor in you starting this charity foundation, which I would like for you to probably expand for us what motivated you to start the charity foundation after your NFL career? There's a, there's a wonderful book, Dr. Stem. by the American poet Robert Bly, B-L-Y, called Iron John. And Iron John was a bestseller in 1991. And in it, he, like Joseph Campbell, who was one of the seminal uh, consultants on the movie Star Wars, looked at the symbols of life and the rituals of life, and he concluded that what's missing in today's society is that eternal role, the archetypal role of the mentor embracing the young person, helping the young person move into adult, the powerful adulthood. And so everything that I do is, is based on giving power, true power, and the sense of awareness of the individual unique power of each person. And I didn't learn that without my own mentor, who was Dick Johnson, who 
who literally yes. came back from the dead when mm. on his on his deathbed, literally two months before he met me, a young yes. man who he hadn't thought about in sixty years. Mm. And Mr. Johnson was was seventy two, and on his deathbed, dying of hepatitis B two, this kid from sixth grade appeared and said, "You know, Dick, you stood up for me when no one else would. I was being bullied." I was being harassed, and you're the only one that would stand up for me, and it's time I stood up for you. I've never forgotten that, and I'm here to tell you you're not going to die. And that wow. turned him around, and he was so filled with passion for his life and for making a difference. It, it's eternally, it's permanently affected my life, and I feel so blessed because I'm not sure I would have made it in the NFL without him. Wow, that's a great story. Now, is that in the book, the that, that absolutely will be mentioned in my book, which is called, <laughs> it hasn't come out yet, but it, the title is From Warrior to Magician. And uh, the subtitle is The Kicker's Guide to Kicking Ass, which is uh, a little bit more crude. <laughs> but but uh, it, it really is that um, looking at what allowed me to not give up, having great parents helped, uh, and then having someone that helped me look at every single rejection as a lesson that would help me in the future. That is awesome. That is an excellent story because I can I can only imagine. We can't wait to read that story. And thank you for sharing that story, Nick. Wow. You bet. You bet. So, okay, we still I I still want to know about this foundation. So that so, that's when you started. Now, what does your foundation do? Well, when I started, Doctor yeah. Stem, my yeah. father's sister had cerebral palsy, and so I oh. wanted to to honor her because despite her challenge. Yes. She got her college degree. She became a professional writer with Carson McCullers at the Writers Workshop in Yardo. She became a university librarian. She yes. never let her limitations get in the way of her dreams, her visions, and what she could do. And that was called Kick with Nick for Cerebral Palsy. And as I did a radio show yes. every week during the season and honored her and honored United Cerebral Palsy All-Stars, kids that were, you know, overcoming and transcending their challenges, I began to think, you know, all of us have some disability. It may not be physical. It could well be emotional. And we have to learn, and the journey is to learn from it, to grow into bigger-hearted, bigger-minded, bigger-spirited people. Yes, yes. You know what, Nick? We're going to take a quick break. But whilst we're taking this one-minute break, I want you to think about either when you were in high school yourself, middle school, or in the NFL, did you ever experience any bullying that you can recall? Share that with us when we come right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready for real change in your life? 
Deep down inside you is a magnificent being just looking to break free. Tune in to Manifesting Abundance with Deborah Loran and Jim Del Vecchio. Most people need to make some minor adjustments in attitude and behavior to achieve alignment with their inner being. Jim and Deborah will help outline these changes and give you the steps you need to create some major improvements in your life. Listen for Manifesting Abundance Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We have a special guest in the house today, former Kansas City Chiefs kicker, Nick Lowry. And before we went on break, Nick, I asked you to think back when you were either middle school, high school, I don't know, maybe in the NFL career, if there was any incidents that you could remember or recall that you personally were bullied. Well, I, I would have to say, Dr. Stanley, it's important, I think, that we constantly clarify the distinction between being teased, even if it's relentlessly, and being bullied, I think it's important that there's a certain psychological and physical, as you said, intimidation, constant uh, attempt to damage the self-esteem and the spirit, the creativity, uh, the optimism, the hope of the individual, uh, even if it's not physically, it's, it, it, it has a, a physical uh, outcome. Um, because we don't want to create a culture that thinks every time people are having some level of humor, even if it's misplaced, you know, that people can't um, feel their way and test out their humor. And be- because otherwise, without making mistakes, we can't learn. Uh, but having said that, once we've made that mistake and we've, we've broken through someone's boundary, hopefully we've learned from that and, and establish a level of respect for how how far, how much is too far, if you will. You're right. Did you say you worked in the White House for some presidents? <laughs> I, worked that... <laughs> for, uh, I, I worked for the, uh, for the Reagan Drug Abuse Policy Office in 88 uh, with uh, Donald Ian McDonald, and then I actually uh, was lucky enough to work with the first drug star, uh, William Bennett. The next year we had a meeting of all the executive directors of the Players Association, the Players Union, and the commissioners of all the major sports about what what we could do about drugs. And by the way, any time uh, in a gang situation, uh, someone's trying to get another individual to do something that they know is wrong, there's yeah. intimidation there. Is that bullying? Well, it often is. Uh, and so there are skill sets that uh, are important for the individual, skill sets in terms of physically protecting themselves, skill sets and being able to identify what's inappropriate. Uh, but it's also what we're talking about is the systemic cultural school environment where bystanders watch and think they have no role or obligation to reestablish or clarify when somebody is violating another's boundary. And that's the only way that we can change that. Now, when I was four years old, five years old, 
in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, I, ironically, I told you this story yesterday. The, their yes. last name was Gross, by, uh, which is amusing. And the Gross family, uh, their six-year-old would come by, and he would pester me and hit me. And my brother said to him, me, you know, Nick, he's bothering you. Next time, hit him as hard as you can in the stomach. And, um, and that's what I did. And he ran home crying, and he, he never bothered me again. <laughs> Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not advocating violence, but I do think I that there is a certain empowerment knowing and through martial arts, uh, you know, one can protect oneself so that one doesn't have to resort to that. Um, and then when, when I went to school in England at 9, 10, 11, I went to one of the oldest schools in England, St. Paul's School. There was a lot of psychological bullying, a lot of big words that I didn't even know that were, uh, you know, meant in poor taste, uh, that were deliberately intended to affect the way I looked at myself. I'm not sure if that's bullying, but those are those quasi places where the ability to uh, stick up for oneself and most importantly, the ability to express one's feelings, express them with respect for others, but to clarify, that's important not only for the person being bullied. Frankly, it often is the reason why the bully is, is manifesting something dysfunctionally. They're unhappy. They don't feel good about themselves, and they yes. do not have the ability to articulate their anger, their sadness, and their sense of not having a place in the world. So they act out by taking it out on other people. You're, you're, you're very correct. You know, you just answered because I was going to share with you a story that happened um, at one time. I had a girl that came to me, uh, you know, uh, it was also in a school environment, but came because she was so upset because this one kid, whether he was kidding, he was joking, decided to tell people that he had kissed her. And this girl said, well, I don't even like the kid. I, I've never kissed him, but the whole school is coming to me and laughing at me and asking me if I really get, did kiss him. And I'm getting annoyed and irritated. So at some point I asked him and I said, did I kiss you? Where did I kiss you? And he said, yeah, you did. But and everybody just laughed. So it even made it worse. So I think with what you're saying is sometimes we see an incident like that and we might think, well, that's not bullying. He's only kidding. And you know he He's lying, but this kid is actually psychologically, emotionally hurt, and you know by this action and 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 the words that you know this young man was saying, you know, unbeknownst to him because he was laughing at well and and making a joke out of it. But it becomes a point where if you hear somebody saying no, if they tell you that this is not you know something that I'm joining in and it's not a joke to me, it's not a joke to them. So we need to stop. And we can defy it as bullying at that point because it's uncomfortable. I think that in every human relationship, by the way, including marriage, there is a, a what I call emotional choreography. And uh, it is a ritual of how each person um, brings up boundaries, brings up uh, important uh, pain. And yes. they either do it in a way that is functional or they do it in a way that really is intended to deflect from themselves. At, at Harvard, Professor Ron Heifetz in the Adaptive Leadership Program there, he's yes. a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. and his, his premise is in leadership. We start by leading ourselves. Yes. And, and the, the number one pattern is the difficult work of confronting our own limitations, our own, our own emotions, our own difficult issues. Yes. We always first want to push it off on someone else, on another mm -hmm. figure in the group, another yes. voice inside our head, because it's so difficult. We'd rather not confront the hard work. 
And yes. so always, if we, if we recognize, I love the book, The Road Less Travel by M. Scott Peck, because mm. instead of saying, I have a formula, and, and the simple formula will transform your life, his very first line is, life is difficult. Life is difficult. The work we have is daily. It is yes. a discipline of focusing on what matters, the discipline of working through what is difficult, and sharing it with other people in such a way that we treat ourselves with respect and love, but also understand that other people deserve that equally. That is respecting other people's boundaries as well as, you know, what you said earlier on. I, I, I agree with you. So you know, I, I, I really love what you're doing because really it is helping others feel comfortable talking about what they previously have not. Yes, yes. And, and, and also, it's, it's interesting because then I'm on Facebook. So when I posted this uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the fact that we were going to be talking about this with you today, I actually had people that wrote on Facebook how they had been abused, but they are now adults. And they had been bullied when they were young and never talked about it with anyone until they saw this title that I put there and, you know, the fact that we're going to be openly talking about it. And I was able to, you know, um, talk to this young lady because what happened is when I was growing up in Zimbabwe, um, I, I say that to you the other day, I grew up in Zimbabwe in Africa. We didn't call it bullying. It, it's a new term for us. So it, it was teasing where people are teasing you. So then it was taken lightly that, oh, you know, they're just teasing you when you come home and talk to mom or dad about it. They're just teasing you. So it was brushed off, I guess, as a rite of passage. But it's actually not because it it actually affected a lot of people. For me, I had to, you know, wait until I was in my late 30s to realize that, oh, that stuff is still ringing in my head, what those girls were doing and laughing at me because now my self-esteem is so low. I, I always think that I'm not good enough and I want to do more, but it's never good enough because I'm trying to go back in time and please them and show them that, yes, I can do this. But, it, you know, I had to work through that. So I think one of the reasons why I want to do this kind of shows is it doesn't have to wait until 30 years later for people to feel like now they have to let go and actually start to live their lives for themselves without having to prove to those bullies that, yes, I am somebody, that we can rescue some of these kids today so they can stop bullying and also if they are being bullied to talk about it so that it's resolved now and they don't have to carry it you know, in their lives for the next 30, 40 years. And we know that adults often are, are well described as, as older kids. The, the issues that they carry with them are from the past. Yes. And, uh, and in my book, what I talk about is that we may not be able to go back and confront the original person that uh, we're still trying to prove ourselves to. But ultimately, it's our internal dialogue, our internal emotional choreography that the dance can regain a rhythm that is empowering by being aware of how we talk to ourselves, especially in moments of stress and pressure, such that we do not sabotage ourselves and sabotage how we see ourselves. What is the archetype, is what I hear you saying. Yes. What is the archetypal mm -hmm. identity that these people have perpetrated on us at a more vulnerable age that we still, for no other reason than we just weren't aware it happened, carry it with us to this day, and then choose a new archetype, a new identity, free from the ego-based decisions and the limitations of a much younger, more vulnerable time. Yeah, right. You're right. 
You know, I don't know, as I was preparing for this show, I looked at, uh, because they have a lot of programs that they are talking about, and I looked at uh, Stop Bullying uh, gov, which is being uh, presented by the government, and I was looking at what they define bullying as because it's it's important that we come out with a clear, precise definition of bullying yes. for these young yeah for, for for these young people as well as their parents and teachers to understand when to call it bullying and when not to call it bullying. So when we come back, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I am going to talk to you and tell everyone that's listening the three types of bullying that I was able to find that we defined you know, by the stopbullying.gov. We will be right back after this break. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for Chalk Talk on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and we'll discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are continuing our discussion on bullying, which is a major, major barrier to student learning in our schools today. Before we want to break, I was talking to you about sharing the types of bullying because I think it's very important that we define what bullying is just in general. And it's not limited to what I'm going to share with you right now because it could be even more um, than what's happening because what bullying is, it's an imbalance of power. So the types of of bullying uh, that I saw that is being shared by StopBullying.gov, it says verbal bullying, which is saying verbal bullying includes teasing, name-calling, inappropriate sexual comments, taunting, threatening to cause harm. 
And then the second type of bullying is social bullying, which is sometimes referred to as relational bullying. And that involves hurting someone's reputation or someone's relationships. That's leaving someone out on purpose, telling other children not to be friends with someone, spreading rumors about someone, embarrassing someone in public. I'm sure those ones there, most people didn't even know that if you do that, to tell other people not to be friends with someone, that it's actually bullying. If you spread rumors which is not the truth about someone else, that's bullying. Embarrassing someone in public, that's bullying. The third type of bullying that is shared is physical bullying that involves hurting a person's body or positions, hitting, kicking, pinching someone, spitting on someone, taking or breaking someone's things, making mean or rude hand gestures to someone, or even stealing um, someone's belongings that don't belong to you. That's not right. It's bullying as well. But I think the other type of bullying that they left out on this is cyberbullying. Because as you know, we now have people that are being bullied on Facebook, on Twitter. There's this Instagram that I'm still learning myself because a lot of people now are being bullied on Instagram. So that's another thing that, you know, I think wasn't described in detail, but I think it's big in the schools, in the communities, or among teenagers themselves, that is cyberbullying, um, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and many other social media that they're doing. Let me check if our guest is back with us. Nick, are you back with us? I am back. Excellent, excellent. One of the things that I wanted to make sure that we do today is to discuss um, a study. That Were you a part of this study or is it a study that you are taking on to use with your work with anti-bullying? Well, it's a study that is simply uh, showing the connective uh, tissue from the these early childhood experiences to simply, you know, the outcomes being long-term, suicidal outcomes, depression outcomes. You know, I look at it, and I use the word archetype because I think an archetype can help address who we see ourselves as and profoundly change whether we choose actions that mirror a powerful person or whether we are so scarred by these early references that we choose the actions of, of a person that mirrors this, this archetype, which is, you know, if we see ourselves as disempowered, as orphaned, as, as betrayed. And it's up to us always in the end to develop self-awareness. But it, this study helps us realize that if we don't take action by creating cultures with the heroes in the school, the varsity athletes that often can really change, and I can tell a story about that if you'll let me later, yes. uh, change that environment of what the role of the varsity football player is uh, in showing what real power and strength and heroism is, and also the bystanders, everybody, and remembering, as I said earlier, a caring adult, a mentor, everybody needs one. They often, unfortunately, don't believe they can share their most deeply held wounds with their parents. But they need to find someone, and we have to help them make that more easy. You, you're, you're very right. I couldn't agree with you more. And, yes, I'll let you tell that story that you were talking about, mentoring. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful story because uh, a young lady, Shai Johnson, okay. uh, developmentally disabled, 
was uh, being spat on. She was having trash thrown at her. She didn't look the same. Mm. And kids really hounded her every day. And she had met Carson Jones, who is the quarterback of the very good football team. And he simply started to sit with her at lunch. That's all he did. He sat with her at lunch. And she noticed immediately that the bullying figures that used to be emboldened to do almost anything they wanted to to her stopped bothering her. And then Tucker, Carson's best friend, a running back on the team, began to sat with her. And then once she began to feel safe, yes. to feel safe, that's all she wanted, to yes. feel safe, her sense of humor blossomed. She became the best fan on the team, and the rest of the team fell in love with this wonderful young soul that had never had a chance to feel safe. And she became their mascot in every sense. They truly loved her. I was asked to speak at their state championship banquet because they became, Mm. went on to be the only undefeated football team in the entire state at any one of the six levels. And I believe because those young men learned a lesson not only about sports, but about how to treat the less among us. Obviously, the Christian uh, themes there that are very powerful and profound and seminal, yes. that these were lessons they knew would last far longer than even the state championship. Yes. And it was so beautiful to interview not only the stars of the team, but the backups, the ones that could have been jealous of the stars and the attention they were getting from Sports Illustrated's Rick Riley and, and from mm. ESPN. But they all embraced Shy Johnson as truly a wonderful individual that taught them a great deal about love, about heroism. It gets me emotional to talk about it because it's such a beautiful story to know that young men today have that capacity in them. It will help them. They will be leaders for the rest of their lives. They are catapulted literally into a higher level of harmony with, if you will, the universe and with Mm -hmm. their destiny. And I am so passionate that we need to hold that up and get varsity athletes across the country, male and female cheerleaders, people that have temporary stages to use them to give honor and power to the marginalized ones that are in the shadows of every school. That I'm writing as you're saying it because those are excellent ideas that, you know, I, I, they're actually easy to implement, don't you think? Well, it's, it's so easy when you see yeah. and feel it, when you feel yes. how great that lesson is to give yeah. power and honor and respect to another person and mm-hmm. see them blossom right in front of you yes. and realize there but for the grace of God go I. There I could be in that situation and maybe at some other time in my life and yet I'm honoring the will of God, I'm honoring my destiny, I'm, I'm, I'm showing, like learning the lesson of humility is so missing today in this alliance of pro and college sports. And, and unfortunately, uh, high school athletes get sucked into this culture of narcissism, uh, which confuses really what heroism is in the yes. best and what yes. leadership is. And uh, they think they're all that. And, and, you know, I look at the NBA players who always are hungry, and some of them always find a way to give to their team, to help their, their team, and always the team is a better team because they're on the team, not because of statistics, 
But inherent in their character is this notion of making everyone around them better. Steve Nash comes to mind mm -hmm. uh, as one of the great examples. But there are many. Magic Johnson was one of those players. Michael yes. Jordan was one of those players. And even though they were stars, they understood they had, an, they had a role to give power to the other members of their team as well. I also, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of Les Brown. You know Les Brown, right? When yes. he talks about this greatness within you. Yes. I am feeling the person that's being abused, that's being bullied, anybody that can relate to the message that you're sending out today, um, that we are sending about bullying today, feeling worthless and feeling as if, you know, it's not possible. But with the story that you just talked about, that if they can have someone who is going to be a positive role model, there is actually greatness within them when you talk about how confident that young lady became and, you know, how well she did after she identified herself with somebody that was actually encouraging and could only sit with her so she could feel safe. Is there a figure in the Bible any yes. more revered, revered than David and yes. standing up to the... To the giant know, Goliath. The giant Goliath. Yes. Uh, and when anyone, everyone else told him he was simply a shepherd boy with no power, yes. and yet he found his power. And I think we have a David in all of us and, and one of the great things that great mentors and teachers and parents do is help each young person not feel they have to fit into a box, yes. but find the unique power, the unique God-given talent that will give them the passion to strive and transcend the inevitable adventures and challenges and sometimes tragedies of their lives. Yes. Yes. And, you know, with, with the kind of work that I do, because I also do, uh, I provide counseling services, which I, uh, I mean, I provide the services to both the victims and the abusers themselves. My heart goes out to those that are bullying as well, um, Nick, because what I find is some of them, uh, modeling what they have grown up in. They're modeling the, the abuse, the aggressiveness within their families. Oh, I, you think some or most? I think it's most, huh? Right? So, yeah. so, so, my, so, so I think as we reach out today, I don't want to be amiss and just, you know, be one-sided because I have seen people that come back today and they say, do you know what? I am so sorry for what I did. And if I could take it back today, I would have stopped bullying, you know, the people that I bullied before. So we don't want it to come to that point where we have adults that are coming back and reflecting on their lives and saying, I am so sorry if I could take it back. I would take everything back because we've already damaged somebody's life as well as ours because for somebody to come back at, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 30s and say, you know what, I'm looking back now and I'm sorry. It means something significant has happened in their life that made them reflect on that. Well, now they have children themselves, you know, of themselves that are now going through um, bullying. They are being bullied and they can see how much of, you know, a damage that they had caused in our lives. So I hope that this will also help those that are bullies to be able to look at their behaviors, seek the help that they, they need, and be able to stop now instead of having to regret years later. You know, we don't want to um, so marginalize the bullies that we simply perpetuate the sense that there's no new role for them to play. Yes, yes. You know, that, that to me is so crucial. Um, yes. And, you know, I'm reminded since you're from Zimbabwe, from a part of the world that has had uh, its own challenges, the, the example of leadership of Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and the, and the truth councils, 
that allowed people that had perpetrated unspeakable uh, atrocities, uh, the worst kind, uh, well beyond bullying, to talk about what they did to clear the air. And, and how could, I would love your opinion and your perspective on that, because Zimbabwe, for all its, not Zimbabwe, with South Africa, for all its problems, avoided the kind of civil war that could have left hundreds, if not millions, bloody. And I think of that example of how you have to create permission to talk about the ugly things in such a way that you only learn and you move on. Great question, Nick. I will be back after this break and I'll be able to hopefully try and answer that question for you in a few, probably one minute break. We'll be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here, Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Who would you like to meet today? Every week that question can be answered on Spark One with Audrey King Wissiger. Our guests are successful people from all walks of life who are willing to share the secrets to their success. Get ready to ask musicians, comedians, athletes, entrepreneurs, and artists everything you wanted to know about them, including their views on coaching style, sports psychology, parenting, food and wine, journalism, media, and much more. Spark One is broadcast live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time well spent. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Excellent. We are getting into the last segment. You know, time flies by when you are actually talking about something that is of substance and helpful. So I'm enjoying our conversation with Nick Lowry today while we're talking about bullying. I know before we went on break, you were asking whether um, the conversation or the talks that um, Bishop Desmond Tutu and uh, former President Nelson Mandela did impact, you know, um, well, civil wars, not having prolonged civil wars in South Africa. And during the break we were talking, I was uh, responding to Nick, and I will respond live to all of you that are listening in, that I think what uh, the bishop and former President Nelson Mandela did was they set the ground for people to start 
the process of forgiveness and finding peace, which are two things that I think when those two things are found in any human being, you have that courage not to want to fight somebody else because you, you are safe. You, you, you have forgiven someone and you are peaceful. This is also the reason why we are talking about bullying today because then we don't want to have young people that are growing up with so much anger and resentment because they haven't been able to talk to anybody about what they're going through, about this teasing that is constantly happening to them and missing school and, you know, missing days of school, as we said, you know, estimates that 8% of them miss school on a monthly basis or daily basis. That means we have tomorrow's leaders that are missing out on crucial education that could better them and become better leaders for tomorrow. Nick, I know you have some statistics from Arizona. Tell us about the bullying statistics in Arizona. Well, 28%, almost one in three students, is bullied. But that number goes to 40% in the seventh and eighth grade. You look developmentally, of course, in puberty, young adulthood, and the desire to align one's new sense of identity with the adult. And these dysfunctional choices of what adulthood means. And, uh, of course, sexuality itself and and those, the role it plays uh, with who is marginalized as well. And I, I just know that the extent of this is so much worse for the person that's going through it. We do not want to over-dramatize it, but we do want to use it as a teaching moment yes. uh, because we know that understanding, communication, and forgiveness yes. are part of that. We give, if we can, number one, the power back to the person that's been marginalized. Yes. We, number two, we give uh, a sense of opportunity for the young person who's been the bully to recognize and see themselves in a bigger picture. And when they see that true heroism is not exploiting your domination over another, but in finding a way to honor everybody in your life, because all of us have strengths and weaknesses. And frankly, that happens every day, Dr. Stem, in yes. the NFL locker room. Uh, I'll mm. never forget um, uh, two running backs for the Chiefs. Uh, I won't mention who they were, but they're very famous running backs for the Chiefs mm. in the early 90s who, uh, you know, attempted to tease each other, and teasing became emotional bullying. And in the end, ironically, one of the players left, and he went on to have a decent career elsewhere, but his career was ended with the Chiefs because he got caught up in, in the bullying and in competing. He, he got distracted from what really mattered, which was yeah. his ability to help the team. And frankly, I, I'm not so happy about the man that he engaged who was older and more mature, but mm. those things happen in NFL locker rooms as well. And it's, it's about power. It's about self-esteem. Um, and, you know, some in the NFL would say, well, it's a jungle out there and we want only the toughest. So if that person couldn't handle it, we don't want them on the team anyway. But uh, my point is bullying in its uh, mature uh, or, if you will, immature roles happens in adulthood as well. 
Isn't that interesting? It's it's actually very sad to you know to be, get that uh, even adults are experiencing you know bullying in their lives. That's why I think for me it's so important that we address this at at the level where it's actually starting way back in middle school or even younger that the kids are being bullied. At the high school where I am, I'm glad to say we do have an officer that's there in the school as well as a person that is a conflict resolution person. And this person, you can talk to them about being teased about somebody calling you a name, about no matter how minute or how small that incident is, you're able, the kids are able to go to them and they can do a conflict resolution right there and then before it becomes, you know, something that impacts the kids. But not all the kids go to talk to, to, to them. So we want to emphasize that if they have um, people that do the conflict resolution or any other teachers or adults in their lives, that they do open up and talk to them. What are some of the um, programs that are happening in Arizona or that you are doing through your charity foundation, Nick, to prevent well, bullying? Thank you. Well, it's nicklowryfoundation.org or just nicklowry, N-I-C-K-L-O-W-E-R-Y.org. We subscribe to what we believe is comprehensively the best overall program. There, there are a number of very good programs. They have to make sure that they have testing that shows results uh, and that has clear, measurable goals and follow-up. Having said that, the Always program, which is it's, it's spelled Always, O-L-W-E-U-S, it's pronounced Always, but it is about the entire school culture. It is about uh, the bystanders having a role that they can't stand by and think that they are exonerated from uh, some obligation to stand up for the person being bullied, to create an, an, a climate that doesn't tolerate it, and uh, and also, if possible, to create a, a means by which there is a dialogue from it, not simply more animosity. Yes, yes. Yes. You know, the time is just flying, Nick. I know I have definitely enjoyed listening to you, talking to you about bullying and the study that was recently done. For those people that haven't listened to it, if you're listening in and you know somebody that might benefit from this, this show was recorded and it will be on our side under the Dr. Stem show on www.voiceamerica.com on the website. Nick, Thank you so much for being our guest today. It's my honor, and thank you for all you do. And if anybody out there needs someone to talk to, find a caring adult that you can trust and be the adult that helps a young person find that person as well. Well, well said, because I was going to say, don't try to solve this on your own. If it feels uncomfortable, if it feels like somebody's violating you, then they are. Talk to your parents, talk to teachers, talk to counselors, the principal, superintendent, talk to an adult. It doesn't matter who it is. Someone will be there to listen to you and intervene on your behalf. Until next week, listen in again on the Dr. Stam Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.